0: This is not an exercise. This is, this is real. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the first patient diagnosed was out of Collin County. We are literally learning hour by hour. Um, it, it, the, the, I should say the, the,
1: the world is changing hour by hour.
2: Almost overnight, COVID-19 has turned our world upside down in Plano. Empty streets, empty playgrounds, restaurants, bars, and gyms shuttered. People working from home.
1: We're living history right now since it's been since 1901, nearly 120 years, that the state has declared a, um, a state um, health disaster. That changed today.
2: As we all try to grapple with this unreal new reality, we talk to local officials to get a feel for how the city, county, and state are handling the crisis. Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm your host, Tammy Hooker, and I'm producer Mary Jacobs. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside of Plano and just outside of what you might expect.
3: Harry LaRosselier, mayor of Plano. As of uh, of noon on Friday here, there's 18 uh, confirmed positive cases in Collin County. Uh, Four of those 18 have fully recovered. Uh, two are hospitalized and 11 are at home. Uh, there's been one, uh, one death, and it was a Plano resident, 64 years old, and we currently are monitoring 79 people.
2: These numbers were as of noon on Friday, March 20th.
3: Here's what we do know. Uh, the information before us is pro- probably about three weeks old. So whatever we're experiencing today is from what's occurred last three weeks. Uh, as testing becomes available, we're going to have more pressure on our, our, on our hospital system. And I, and I don't know specifically to, to detail, but I can say with, uh, with the real confidence that uh, they will be under pressure. That's what a pandemic does.
2: On March 16th, the city of Plano declared a state of emergency and opened its Emergency Operations Management Center.
3: We have our city manager, Mark Israelson and two of uh, one of his deputy city managers, uh, former police chief Greg Russian and Carrie Little, who is the director of our 911 services. And they are basically at a command center where they will help uh, direct all the uh, operational functions for our city um, in a very coordinated and real-time manner. The eventuality that we're preparing for is what if... Um, there's a our city staff has a, a major outbreak, and how do we operate on a skeleton staff? What does that mean to the services that uh, our citizens will are used to receiving? We still have to have our first responders out there, and uh, we still have to pick up the the trash in the streets and and maintain safety. Uh, on so many different levels. So a lot of the preparation we're doing is internally to be able to still maintain a high level of services should, if or should the worst-case scenario come to our doorstep.
2: We tried to get answers to some of the questions we're seeing on social media regarding COVID-19. One of the big ones, what should people do to get tested?
0: So I'm Bill Bilyeu. I'm the county administrator here in Collin County. I'm the equivalent of what a normal person thinks of as a city manager, so I work for the elected officials, the five commissioners' court members, and then among my responsibilities is the public health department. So the number of tests available is extremely mental. First thing to understand is testing is not the key. If you feel like you have symptoms, then quarantine yourself, stay home. If you don't have an underlying condition that makes you at risk of your health, your personal health Um, You know, and those are the type of people that should be tested. A normal person who has normal health conditions and is not at risk, there's not a need for them to be tested. I understand they want to, but the access to testing in the state of Texas and probably nationally, I can only tell you specifically the state of Texas, is very limited. Since this started, the total number of people who have been tested in the state of Texas through last night was 2,335 people. So there were tw- only 2,335 tests given. That includes private labs, public labs, et cetera. And on the public lab side of it, this includes state labs. Dallas County has a lab. Tarrant County has a lab. All of those government controlled labs or government owned labs only tested 872 of the 2,300. So there's not really a location you're going to find more than likely today to find it to give you a test. There's 25 million people in the state of Texas. There's a million people in Collin County. And if you look at the number of tests that actually have been able to be performed, and the reason that those test numbers are so low, the actual supplies to give those tests are extremely limited and the capacity of the labs to turn them out are very limited. Not only the capacity of the labs, but the availability of the swabs, um, any protective gear, uh, there's a uh, reactive solution that they use in the labs, it's extremely limited. So I just go back to that number. It's, if only 2,335 have been tested all the way since the beginning of this um, action till now, that shows you that there's a limited number of people who have been tested and a limited number of availability. Through last week, through last Friday in fact, uh, it was reported the Dallas lab was only able to test 59 cases total the 10 days leading up to that, and we know that 17 of those were were reports that we sent down for them to test. So the, the numbers um, just are not there. The capacity is not there for people to be tested, and it makes no difference um, to the care of someone to know whether they tested positive or not. So if they're not at risk uh, of having breathing issues, et cetera in reality there's not a reason for them to be tested and there's not a capacity for them to get tested and that seems to be um, well that seems to be I can tell you that's the number one question to the health department and to all health departments um, is where can I go to get testing and to tell you the truth there's just not a whole lot of options
2: here's the thing about testing it's not essential for individuals unless you're at high risk for most people a positive or negative test result won't change the way you're treated because there is no proven treatment yet for COVID-19. But in places like South Korea, widespread testing helped prevent the spread by ensuring that infected people were properly isolated. That's just not happening here. If you feel sick, the most important action to take is to isolate for 14 days, whether you get tested or not, whether you suspect you have COVID-19 or not.
3: Right now, our number one request for our citizens is to, you know, social distancing. And I like to rephrase that. I prefer physical distancing, but it doesn't mean we can't have social connections. So phone phone calls, emails, Skype Uh, Social media, I think, are all opportunities that we can uh, emotionally stay connected to our friends and family, but physically we're asking our our citizens to stay apart.
2: Another big disruption, school classrooms are closed. At the state level, officials scrambled to make sure that children's education would continue and that vulnerable children weren't overlooked.
1: Jeff Leach, I'm the state representative for House District 67, which includes uh, large portions of Plano, Allen, Richardson, and Dallas, all in Collin County. The governor and state health officials declared a state health disaster. That hasn't happened since 1901. Not with SARS, not with Ebola, um, not with H1N1. The coronavirus is unique in that respect. So a lot of what we're involved in is getting and receiving briefings, giving briefings uh, with respect to how it's affecting local Collin County businesses, schools, our educators, parents families, churches. We've been working very collaboratively with the governor to, um, to, on, on school closures, on making sure that even while the school campuses are closed, our kids are still receiving instruction, that our educators are still paid, um, that lunches are still served uh, to kids that need them. Those are conversations that we're literally having around the clock right now, every single day of the week.
2: Another question we've seen on social media, am I really at risk? Initial reports suggested that the virus is most dangerous for those who are older or who have underlying health conditions. But more recent data has also included people in their 20s and 30s with no other health issues becoming critically ill.
3: 80% of the people who are spreading the virus are asymptomatic. They don't have any symptoms. They're fine. They're not coughing. They don't have a fever. They just seem normal, like you and me. Eighty percent of the transmission is through those people. And as a result of that, it's doubling about every four days, the number of people who get infected. So if we're saying right now we have 19 cases and 73 under investigation, that's probably what was going on three weeks ago. And you double that every four days, and that probably is truly what's the situation on the ground today.
2: Many people on Nextdoor and other social media outlets are asking why county and local officials aren't alerting us to the whereabouts of those who do test positive for COVID-19. We asked Bill Bill you.
0: We see that question a lot on our webpage. We actually run a live bot where people can ask their questions. And I will tell you that's probably number two or number three on the list of questions is, why don't you tell me exactly where they live? Uh, Why don't you tell me who they are? Which I think we all agree that that's HIPAA protected. That's just like any other illness. But it it serves no purpose to know which area of town they're in because that doesn't put their level of um, how they could have caught it any differently, just knowing that they um, were at a store.
2: So the short answer, knowing where a COVID-19 patient has recently shopped or worked, is not actionable or useful. It won't help you to avoid those places because you can only get the virus person to person. Here's Bill Bilyeu again, explaining what does happen when a Collin County resident tests positive with COVID-19.
0: Collin, Denton, parent or wherever uh, comes in with the contact information, and our team of epidemiologists con- call the person, or they're, if, if they're hospitalized and unable to talk, we talk to their family member, and they give us all the contacts that they've had uh, during a period that we believe that they are contagious. And they give us name, phone numbers, um, locations, et cetera. And then we take that list and start working it. Um, with COVID 19 specifically, we're only looking for direct contacts, meaning people who actually physically saw them and were with them. So uh, somebody who's a relative of somebody who just saw them isn't one of our contacts, but when we, we call the person who a direct contact, they can tell anyone that they want. They don't know what person they were in contact with. That's uh, kept anonymous. That's HIPAA uh, protected. So our our epidemiology team will call them and say, hey, listen, we need to tell you you've been exposed. Um, here's the steps that you should take. Watch yourself. Take your temperature. The date of exposure was X, and so the, the count period that they're watched and under quarantine for COVID-19 specifically is 14 days. So if their contact with that person was six days or eight days ago, we will say, here's the end of your quarantine period. Can you tell us, have you had any symptoms during that period, yes or no? And then actually daily, they report that information to us of, have they had a temperature? They take their temperature multiple times a day. Are they having any symptoms? And if they become symptomatic, then it starts the whole process again. We look at everybody they've had contact with during the period that they would have been uh, contagious.
2: Here's another concern. Options for people in Collin County with no insurance and no resources are limited. Unlike Dallas County, which has a county hospital, Parkland Hospital, Collin County does not. But keep in mind that one of the biggest concerns relating to COVID-19 is the fact that virtually no one has immunity to the virus. That's why it's called a novel virus. That means when it blows through a community, the hospital system can be very quickly overrun. Thankfully, Plano is home to several large hospitals, which offers a better chance of managing the crisis as the numbers grow.
0: We feel like the private sector uh, and even the nonprofit sector, which is a lot of our hospitals in Collin County, have the capacity to handle um, the patients that are there. And we've been blessed here in Collin County to have a lot of hospitals built and a lot of beds built because there's uh, a lot of capacity here compared to other places.
2: Here's something that's spreading almost as fast as the virus, misinformation.
0: What I would tell people is get their information from the CDC. Don't take your information from Facebook, Nextdoor, any of the others. Um, go right to the source, and that's CDC. I can't even tell you how many recommendations we've received um, at the public health department from people saying, hey, raw garlic is a cure. And and I laugh when I say that, but it's, it's consistent, or um, borrow ventilators from vet clinics. Um, lots of people have advice. Lots of people have recommendations. And CDC is the true source for all of it, and I would tell you, you read something and you have a question about it, go to the CDC website. That's what we're all mimicking, whether it's the city, the county, school districts, businesses are all mimicking their website. And CDC is updating information uh, daily as they get more data in and they see different um, pieces that, that make sense.
2: Another question people are asking, how long will this last? Nobody knows the answer. But we will know when we've likely turned a corner.
3: There will be a way to know that the worst is behind us when we start seeing the number of reported cases start to decline. So I would anticipate in the next several weeks, uh, we're going to see a real spike in the numbers. And it's a function of more people being positive and more people being tested. And we'll know the worst is behind us when we start seeing a slowdown, that doesn't mean it'll stop. It, may, it just means that we will have seen a peak in the occurrences of new, new cases uh, starting to slow down. And again, by all measures, we're probably two to three weeks behind on the data. What, what we're seeing today is probably what happened at the early part of the, what was on the ground at the early part of March.
2: Some of us may have friends and relatives that don't have, or perhaps don't even want, access to media, or who are continuing to not heed the messages. We asked Bill what to say to an older relative.
0: You know, if I was to call my father as an example, um, I would say, you know, Dad, look, there's a lot of people getting this at your age, your health conditions, you're at risk. Um, don't be afraid, but you do need to stay home and you need to limit your contact with others. You know, watch the, the news. The uh, The local news is really good in its coverage. You need to take it serious and you need to stay away from people during this time.
2: And we asked Mayor Harry for the words that resonate with our younger family members.
3: Uh, the message I would give to 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 the younger folks and the younger generation is, Uh, Really, what I've told my daughters is that even if you feel that you're um, immune to this, and you're not, but let's say you feel that you are, think about the people you care for because you will, because 80% of the transmission of this virus is from people that show no symptom. And so you might be fine, but when you come home from spring break, uh, your mother, Your grandmother, your auntie, the person that matters to you, you may be the person that transmits uh, the virus to them. So be cognizant of that and understand that the responsibility to take care of your family and friends rests on you to take care of yourself.
2: Plano has a large and vibrant business community. It's fundamental to our economic success. We asked Mayor Harry for his message to the companies in Plano.
3: Uh, This is a serious situation. For a company to literally send everyone home tells you that there is a true threat to our uh, our, the health and safety of their citizens, uh, of their employees, and in our case, our citizens. And it has to be taken seriously. Uh, My message to our businesses is that Plano will come out stronger from this. We will come out stronger as a as a state and as a nation if we uh, take this seriously, take it head on and show show the spirit that we have in America that nothing will will beat us.
2: Are you enjoying this episode of Plano Podcast? If so, you can join our growing list of patrons. Visit planopodcast.com and click on the support tab for more information. Now, back to the show. With so many businesses closing and people losing their jobs... You can imagine how many people are hurting. At the same time, the nonprofits that usually serve these most vulnerable people depend on volunteers. Many of them are older volunteers and retired folks who are now wisely staying at home.
4: Bejul Desai, Business Engagement Director, Community Foundation of Texas. So covid nineteen has had a tremendous um, impact on nonprofits across our community, um, everything from you know um, having to work remotely, which many of them do not have the technology in place to do um, to losing volunteer, uh, volunteers either from their uh, you know their corporate volunteers and or their longtime you know senior volunteers, a lot of retired people who also come in on a regular basis. Uh, but just volunteer numbers are dropping, and so many of these nonprofits are dependent on volunteers to get their work done. Um, there's also been an increase in need in the community because of some of these changes, because so many people have been impacted, um, you know, either through their jobs or with kids being at school and um, and just the, the changes in the way that we are living our lives these days. Being on the one hand, we have hospitality and restaurant, you know, workers, hourly workers that are losing their jobs. Um, On the other hand, we have nonprofits um, that are losing their volunteers. And most importantly, the staff, uh, you know, whether it's food or supplies, needs to get to the people most in need. To help fill the volunteer gap for
2: these critical nonprofits and to give some options to hospitality and restaurant companies and their service workers who find themselves unemployed, The Communities Foundation of Texas has partnered with an
4: online platform called Get Shift Done. Uh, The Communities Foundation of Texas was delighted to be the philanthropic partner for a new initiative called Get Shift Done for North Texas. Um, This was the brainchild of two um, business and entrepreneurial leaders in our community, Patrick Brandt, who's the president of Shift Smart, and Anurag Jain, who is the chairman of um, Access Healthcare, and also the chairman of the North Texas Food Bank.
2: The platform allows service and hospitality workers to work what are now unstaffed volunteer shifts and earn ten dollars an hour.
4: Um, restaurant owners and companies um, that um, you know that employ hourly workers are able to become part of this platform. By, um, you know, providing the shift workers and their information into the system, it is an opt-in program for the shift workers. It's an added benefit. This is one of the things, um, you know, companies can provide um, their hourly workers, right, as an option for work for them. And once these shift workers are in the system, they're able to see shifts at different nonprofits. So, say, the North Texas Food Bank um, or Hunger Busters has... Um, a shift on a Thursday afternoon from 1 to 3, well, they can go ahead and sign up to um, go work-slash-volunteer at that shift, um, and once they show up, um, they will get paid through the Shift Smart system, and it's $10 an hour. You know, what this does is, again, the shift workers get their work done, um, the, vol- the nonprofits get, um, you know, the support they need, and um, and, and these, these shift workers get paid. And so we're kind of, in a way, uh, you know, Supporting uh, two important, very important needs here in the community. So I have been speaking with restaurant owners and theater companies um, across our community. Um, I know that the Shift Smart team has as well, and um, and everybody's of course trying to grapple with this situation at hand. So um, you know, for sure, you will see Collin County-based um, nonprofits benefiting from this, but also Collin County-based businesses that will be able to take advantage of this platform. If you are a restaurant owner or a hospitality company, um, if you are a nonprofit um, or if you are a donor um, interested in supporting this initiative, I recommend you go to getshiftdone.org and um, you will see that there is a placeholder for um, all three of these groups um, and there are forms for you to fill out. If you're a restaurant owner, you can fill out a form and that will Um, Get to the Shift Smart team and they will reach out to you. The same if you are a nonprofit. Um, And if you're a donor, the minute you click that link, um, you will be brought to the Get Shift Done for North Texas Fund at the Community Foundation. And um, you'll be able to make a donation. G-E-T-S-H-I-F-T-D-O-N-E dot org. Get Shift Done.
2: Before we leave you, a reminder from Mayor Harry. Take a moment to reach out to those who may be isolated
3: other than staying home the way we can support one another is really to stay connected i think the the physical isolation can have some real ramifications on our sense of community and we have to find a way to bridge that uh for the short term and so if you know an elderly person or someone who is in a high risk situation that uh um that is home and, 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 this quarantine themselves or isolating themselves. If you, if you have uh, some supplies, maybe you drop it off at his or her doorstep and uh, limit their risk of having to go out and to the store. Um, if you have uh, opportunities to, to make a phone call and make that personal connection, I think at this point, the, the, emotional withdrawal is going to be there that that will lead to potential mental health issues.
2: We know these are stressful times, so we wanted to give you some encouraging news. The first COVID-19 patient in North Texas is a Plano resident and is now fully recovered.
0: Is our patient number one. Um, we had contact with him, actually telephone contact with him, uh, all the way through his quarantine period. And as you know from the media, uh, it included his wife and one of his children actually tested positive, too, but not the not all the other people in the household. And um, very forthcoming uh, guy, sharp, um, you know, and he's one of the, the group or the good-sized group that uh, he and his family, the symptoms they had were not debilitating, it didn't stop them from playing Nintendo Switch or him working from home. But uh, our patient number one was actually – One of the people that just, um, it was like he had a cold.
2: Finally, we want to give a shout-out to all the ingenious and creative ways that Planoites are finding to stay in touch and support each other during these times. Church services have gone virtual, but church is still happening. At Prestonwood Baptist, for example, the first online service March 15th brought in 60,000 worshipers. Neighborhood groups have organized to support neighbors who couldn't leave their homes. Words of encouragement written in chalk are appearing on Plano's running trails. Plano public librarians have offered crafts and story time for kids, all online. And restaurants have added curbside service with wine to go. And here's a bonus.
3: There's a silver lining in this is that the ingenuity and innovation of America will come out and I have no doubt that the city of Plano will, will lead that. I say to the city address we're now the city of excellence and innovation, and we're going to get a chance to, to show that. I'll tell you personally, the, the silver lining for me is my daughters are home. If you had told me um, I was going to get to spend several weeks with one my daughter that's in college and the other one that's living in D.C., and we're going to be together as a family unit, I'd have said, no way, we're all Everybody's grown up and gone in a different direction. So, my my model is social uh, social distancing. Social distancing equals family reconnection for me. And so, I'm reconnecting with my with my girls, and uh, and I hope uh, everyone who's home and who's staying home more have the opportunity to reconnect with their friends and families as well.
2: Thank you, Mayor LaRosaire, Representative Leach, Bill Bellew, and Sejal Desai for your work for the residents of Plano, Collin County, and North Texas. We appreciate the time you spent with us on the phone for this episode. We've put the resources mentioned by our guests on our episode page on planopodcast.com. And thank you for listening to this episode of Plano Podcast. Stay safe, everyone. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast. Tales of curiosity and character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to support us on Patreon and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback, ideas, and comments our way. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.